Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, it is the dawn of a new blend of the month here on the Cinema Drip Podcast. Please Do you stop. see what I did there? I huh? don't yeah. like what you did there. Sorry, Christian, I'm just monkeying around a little bit here at the top of the podcast. I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce our new Blend of the Month here for February, because, of course, you got to curate this month. Cool. So I I was thinking about some of the films I'd seen recently and deciding this is actually one of the blends that I wrote down at the end of last year's ones I wanted to do, um, and that is Apocalypse Movies. I think that... At the end of this month, we are going to do our top five apocalypse movies, Scott, you and I. And so we're each week we're going to be reviewing two apocalypse movies, which we will pair up with each other. Uh, now, I wanted to start this episode by just asking you, Scott, what comes to mind when you think of apocalypse movies? That honestly is a you know genre, quote unquote, I guess, that I haven't really thought about before. Because I think initially in that realm, I think of disaster movies, which are a little bit more well-defined as a genre. You know, we'll be looking at Roland Emmerich, whose new movie Moonfall is coming out. And he is one of these kings of disaster cinema. But there's all kinds of movies about the world ending. And usually it is about a world-ending event of some kind or the threat that humanity is hoping to avoid. But obviously the apocalypse spreads much beyond that. And it can get pretty broad with not just things disaster movies but things like zombie post-apocalyptic stuff and all kinds of young adult books getting adapted (laughs) uh, post-apocalyptically and there's all kinds of options for movies that are happening either during or after an apocalyptic event and of course you know the apocalypse isn't just the threat of the planet getting exploded by an asteroid of course there's you know always survivors and people who press on or in our case for today's episode apes who press on (laughs) so it it is a, a broad category of movies for sure, but I was realizing as I was thinking about it, there's a ton of movies that I enjoy that either cover an apocalypse or come right after one. So I'm looking forward to diving in. Is there anything in particular that drew you to the theme? I, I will say having seen from, I mean, having watched Arrival last year, which some people consider an apocalypse movie is like, what do you do in Aliens Land? People think the world might be ending or even Don't Look Up, which is honestly a movie I quite enjoyed, and I know you got a chance to see it, but very much using the apocalypse as a satire and social commentary for how people are blind to things going on around them. It's very easy to use the genre of apocalypse to talk about stuff, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not that helps a movie or detracts from it. Right. And especially in the in the case of a movie like Don't Look Up, where you're clearly trying to say something about the current world, <laughs> does the satire land in the context of the apocalypse? Obviously, sometimes people are just trying to have a good time with the movies, like arguably Roland Emmerich, which we'll get into next week. But you can do a lot with this kind of thread. It gets very existential very quickly. So it should be an interesting month. I'm looking forward to it. And, and I'll say one last thing before we head into what we're going to be discussing today. It 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 is kind of a wide genre. And, and you mentioned this because anything from Avengers Endgame could be an apocalypse movie to uh, Night of the Living Dead. So it, it depends on what you're doing. I will say I'm drawing a line in that we I don't want it to be a dystopian society. I want it. I want 
a focus of the film to not be like Hunger Games, but to be what do we do now that the world has ended? That is a possibility, but not it's just past our time and the way that things are no longer good. Do you get the distinction I'm trying to make? Yeah, in in a weird sort of way, you know, it's like how, you know, what is it all, that I you're the math teacher here that all rectangles are squares, but not all squares are squares no are no no other way all squares are rect- rectangles. No, wait, wait, all squares <laughs> are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. <laughs> is that it? I don't know if that's it because oh, the, two, the two definitions are different. Okay, yeah. So in that sort of way, you know, um, all not all dystopias are are apocalypse movies where something like the hunger games you know you have this organized society that is thriving once again uh and but there are other types of those types of you know young adult adaptations that do focus on a a post-apocalyptic society there are zombie movies where like army of the dead is one of the recent ones that i watched that came to mind where that's that's an an apocalypse apocalypse. that that is an apocalypse i would say army of the dead no because all the zombies are contained to las vegas (laughs) but Uh I, I okay, but it, but when you watch the ending of that movie, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Uh, okay, wait, let me clarify. Not all rectangles are squares. Just in case, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> all right, let, let's Either let's way. Let, let's move on. <laughs> so today, Scott, we are going to be talking about two movies that are being paired up for a very obvious reason. We're talking about the 2014 movie, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That is a the second in the trilogy of Planet of the Apes movies that came out in the 2010s. And we're also going to be talking about the 1968 original Kickstarter to the OG franchise, Planet of the Apes. What is your familiarity with both movies? So I cannot remember when I first encountered the original trilogy... But I became a massive fan of them. And I know I saw at least the final movie in theaters. I can't remember if I saw Dawn in theaters, but I'm pretty sure I did. I just completely fell in love with those movies for reasons Wait, that I will discuss. Wait, what do you mean by original trilogy? So, uh, I, I don't, I, don't, I shouldn't have said original trilogy. I meant reboot trilogy. Um, the original is not a trilogy. Um, and I will explain those reasons once we get to our review. But I actually had never seen the original Planet of the Apes movies. I hadn't seen the Tim Burton remake either. So... I came to those pretty fresh and with uh, open eyes. So I was really pumped to actually watch the original as it's fun to return to sort of the genesis of these kinds of franchises. And now I pick up on different things that were in the original or the new Apes movies where they're referencing the original, which I thought was pretty fun. What about you? I had seen of the reboot series, only Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I hadn't seen the other two. And I, I had seen clips of the original before. I know this because surprisingly my parents have seen all of the original ones and they let's go yeah they (laughs) love that franchise they remember like they were telling me different parts of it and what they remember and how parts of it were scary to them and i'm like wow (laughs) this is actually something that resonated with my parents like this was something people went out to see as events before we considered certain kinds of movies events and it's like predates the probably the most massive franchise star wars it's not the first franchise ever. I mean, James Bond, I think, was coming out at around at around the same time. So I think it, Doctor No was was sixty seven or something like that, sixty eight maybe. Yeah, so it's it's definitely not an originator, but it is a science fiction basically thing event. And I watched it earlier this year in Spanish because my parents didn't want to watch it in English. 
And I was like, sure. And I rewatched it yesterday in English. So I, I've, I've, I've gotten a, a double dose of Charlton Heston and, and co. Amazing. I'll be curious to your thoughts on the, the dubbing <laughs> once we get into it. Let's go into more background info. Uh, original came out in 1968. This story was written by Michael Wilson and Rod Serling, and it was directed by Franklin J. Schaffner. It's based on Planet of the Apes, which is a a novel. It's a 1963 novel. Honestly, I didn't know that this was based on a novel. Neither did I. Uh, and it stars Charlton Heston, who had been in Ben-Hur and the Ten Commandments and is one of the major leading men of the 1950s and 60s. Uh, it stars Kim Hunter, who we have covered on when we did, oh, frick, what was it? Streetcar Named Desire? Streetcar Named Desire, yeah. And uh, it deals with a group of astronauts who are returning to Earth on a voyage that only lasted them seven months, but in light years, they were gone for basically 700 years, and they get knocked off course, and they land on a mysterious planet that is run by apes. And man is a subservient one. And as they're trying to figure out why they're there and not on Earth, and as they're trying to figure out why they got knocked off course so much that it's actually the year 3,700, I believe, or 3,900. I think it's 3,978, but I'm not sure. Something like that. Something like that. They just have no clue what they're doing, and they're trying to figure it all out. Uh, That's just the basic premise. Uh, Can you give us the, the dawn of the Planet of the Apes premise? Of course, as Christian said, a 2014 release following 2011's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Dawn follows the journey of Caesar, who is the leader of this uh, this growing colony of intelligent apes, and Rise covers how they become intelligent and so on. Dawn follows them as they encounter a group of humans living in a post-apocalyptic society, which has been ravaged by a flu. And... It is directed by Matt Reeves, who many people are getting excited about because he had directed The Batman, which is coming up here shortly. It was also written by Mark Bombach and Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. The main star, of course, is Andy Serkis, who plays Caesar across these new trilogy of movies. He is uh, arguably the most important person, and we never see his face on screen. Um, And there is a great supporting cast, which we will get to as well but yes very different uh telling more of the the origin in a way of the planet of the apes not so much following them after they are an established society i want to i want to just dive into the review and as we dive into the review we're going to get further into plot so let's let's start with your opening question scott are you ready oh christian i'm ready in the grand scheme of things, apocalypse movies could mean surviving an apocalypse or living in a post-apocalyptic world. So, which do you think the Planet of the Apes movies have chosen? You've already kind of gone into it. And how does that help or hurt the story? In terms of the original, that choice, which <laughs> it's somewhat hard to talk about because there will be story spoilers, obviously. So, of course, Planet of the Apes has an iconic sp- Uh, reveal at the end of the movie if you have not yet seen this movie you might still be aware of it but i will warn you spoiler warning from here on out but of course the original planet of the apes movie we don't think is an apocalypse movie for most of its runtime it's not until the very end of the movie where we find out 
that they in fact have returned to earth and now it is a society ruled by apes that we un- we realize it's an apocalypse movie and i think that works to great effect especially when you consider the conditions that this movie was being written in it was 1968 it's the cold war all through the 60s rod serling who wrote you know who helped write the screenplay did the twilight zone and he is commenting on society through with that television show as well as his other projects and so the apocalyptic setting, like we were talking about with some of the other movies at the beginning of the show, is really key to commenting on our world, you know, back then, of course, uh, in the 60s. And in 2014, you obviously need it <laughs> as part of the story, but I don't I don't know necessarily how thematically resonant it is, where, where it really is in the original. And I think what's more key to the thematic resonance of these new films is just the characters and especially the ways that the apes behave in comparison or in contrast to the humans. So that's that's my thoughts. Obviously, one is using its apocalyptic setting as theming. One is simply depicting an apocalyptic setting. Um, I'm going to say this, that I had never seen uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes before. And the beginning of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is probably something out of someone's nightmare right now. Because it shows government officials requiring mask mandates and you see people in masks kind of like marching along. You see them kind of screaming and telling everyone to stay indoors and not get out. You see them saying how only one in 500 who get this disease are people who are able to survive. And it's it, it shows this map where the little red line is is kind of is spreading, and it's a survival story. Whereas in the original, you have seen mankind being treated like absolute trash. And for some people who went in there not knowing that this was Earth, I'm not even sure what the reveal must have been like. Where you're maybe expecting one where they'll eventually get to a spaceship and be able to leave or or they'll see something around that. But no, they are on Earth and it just completely destroys you as a frick. What happened? And you're trying to figure that out. Now, um, I, I, I agree with you. The original makes much more use of it than the than the remake. But the remake is, is doing something interesting. It's telling a survival story. But doing so, and I think this is one of the great strengths of these movies, doing so both from the perspective of humanity and from the perspective of the apes. And there's so much tension because of that distinction, because they choose to follow a human group of characters, as well as helping you sympathize with the ape characters led by Caesar, who is struggling with how to interact with humans. He has some people or some apes from the community who want to resist and some people who want to integrate with them. It's really compelling and obviously a very different flavor from the original. Which let, let, let's get this. Let's get this off the bat. I enjoyed both movies. I don't. I I think you did as well. I yeah. I I was saying I was a big fan of the reboot trilogy. Dawn, from what I can recall, and at least so far through a rewatch, I have not yet made it to War of the Planet of the Apes, but is my favorite of the three. I think it's incredible. It's one of the best blockbusters we got in the 2010s, and 
I'm a really big fan of the original now that I've seen it as well. I think I might give the edge to Dawn. I have more of a connection to it. But uh, yes, still a big fan of these movies. And I really want to see the rest of the original series as well. There were four sequels. <laughs> and I, this ongoing adventure is in the Planet of the Apes. I saw... Wait, wait, wait. It's Planet of the Apes beneath the Planet of the Apes. Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And Battle for the Planet of the Apes. I believe that those are the five. I yes, I believe so. <laughs> I will confirm, but good for you and getting them all right. I already Let's have plans here. with Tyler to like watch the second one this week. There you go. Yeah, beneath escape, conquest, and battle for. Yes, I got it. Anyway, you're so you're giving the edge to Don, and it's it's weird because when I paired these movies up, I didn't realize how different they would be, and so. In a review, let's talk about the different players at work in the original, and then let's talk about the different players at work in in, in the reboot. Um, and by players, I mean performances. Charlton Heston, one of the astronauts, gets stranded, gets uh, out of this spaceship with two other of the astronauts. The fourth one of their crew has already died, uh, could not survive the flight. As they go about they find just a bunch of desert and they're scared that they're not going to find any food after maybe over a day of traveling they find different groups of humans who are not talking and they realize they're not able to speak and just kind of acting uh well they're dressed very scantily scantily clad (laughs) they're they're dressed primitively they're primitively like not not quite cavemen but not much farther along than that and they get captured by apes. And so he is in captivity being asked questions and observed by these ape scientists, Dr. Zira and Cornelius, Dr. Cornelius. By the way, Cornelius, great callback later on in the reboot. Yes. So we we, we see that going on. And how did that hit you where, where he's there and the performances of him and specifically, honestly, Kim Hunter as Dr. Zira, who... I loved Kim Hunter in this. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we got to talk about the makeup, of course, because half the oh way that you're making these performances goodness. happen is with the incredible Oscar-winning makeup effects from John Chambers. It was the first time the Academy ever awarded a makeup artist for a movie. And these prosthetics are incredible, not just because they are... I mean, of course you know these people aren't walking, talking chimpanzees, gorillas, and orangutans, but they are movie-wise still convincing and they work they've aged well as these kinds of practical costumes go and they allow the actors to give these great performances and sure the the mouths don't line up with all the words they're saying just perfectly even so they are they're they're an awesome part of their performance you can see the ways it even affects some of the actors like their physical movements because they have all of this costuming and makeup on them but it enables great performers like kim hunter to give these full and realized performances which i i wrote down here in in our outline that i wanted to talk about the makeup versus visual effects because as i i'm not a big fan of the visual effects in dawn i i don't okay look i i i get it but when it comes to looking at these monkeys i prefer the makeup wow i I don't even know if I have a preference because they are, I don't know, they, like they're they're achieving different things in a way. Uh, the the makeup and the costumes of the original were obviously 
what they only what they could do at the time. They couldn't have done visual effects like we got in the modern movies in the late '60s and in the '70s. But even so, they are helping to create a a world where they're creating. I wouldn't say something that's less serious, but uh, they are not attempting to be fully realistic. This is a world where there's intergalactic space travel and space explorers can go searching for extraterrestrial life and we're on what we think is another planet of apes of course where apes have ascended to being the dominant species in society and in dawn and i mean rise and war with it the visual effects i think fascinatingly are functioning as costumes where of course there's tons of effects going on and especially in the large-scale action scenes but they the main thrust of the performances in that movie was getting to communicate an actor's performance through visual effects. And that's partially why I think these movies are so compelling. And so I I don't even think I have a preference because I love what each movie does with its ape costumes. For one, it's a so to speak. For the other one, it's just costume. But uh, then let's talk about the performances. Andy Serkis asks Caesar, who is quite wonderful, and that's that's kind of like a duh, of course. But even Toby Kevel, who's Koba, the rival who begins this rift between the two ape groups, is is so fascinating to watch. Kind of his descent, and how he, as a monkey who had been experimented on, has absolutely no motivation to feel anything but hatred toward humans. And and we even compare those performances to to the apes that we see in the original. It's not that these apes have a distrust of humans, but they look down at them as the most primitive of species. Right. It's just beastly. They've So in the original, they have this, this um, uh, what is it? these scriptures, they have this religion that said that ape was, the creator made ape in his own image. Yeah. A lot of comparisons between the ape society and main mainstream christianity at least in america a lot of similar language it, it's a cool view between evolution and creationism in, in the way that they're 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 taking this on it's right it's they're they're talking about charlton heston's character who we should say is uh is taylor that's his last name they're referring to taylor as a missing link <laughs> in, in ape evolution and at the end of the movie when taylor and um Dr. Zero, our parting ways, he says, I'd like to kiss you goodbye. And she says, oh, but you're just so ugly or something like that. Like, you you know, look so ugly. And they talk about how they stink so bad. It, it is a funny look at humanity from another perspective. So as as we keep looking at it, the, the apes there, viewing them as so primitive that they've taken away their voice. Whereas the apes in the reboot are viewing humanity as as just self-destructive. And how they need to create something that is better and can overcome it. And this is a theme that I think has worked so well with both movies. Because in the original, you also have Taylor's opening monologue. Before the asteroid lands, where he goes, when he thinks they're going to land on Earth in the year uh, 2700, what will we return to? Will man still continue to fight with other man and reduce him? Or um, will man continue to let his fellow man, I don't know, starve and asking all of these questions of we as humanity were terrible when i left is that what's going to remain when i'm gone or will we finally be better and humanity as we saw in rise and as, as keeps going on in dawn 
isn't learning. Right. And it is funny to see, of course, these primitive, beastly humans, as they're treated at least in the original Planet of the Apes. And the ape society is, you know, for <laughs> for the greatness of the costumes, they're just British, basically. <laughs> uh, they're, you know, British actors and, and American actors talking with stately English accents. Whereas in the original, there is a very clear distinction between humanity and humans who are trying to eke out survival and these apes who are apes by and large but more more intelligent and the the humans of course as they do in every type of narrative like this are destroying themselves and they (laughs) are trying to they they get immediately fearful of these apes you know from the moment they run into them carver who's one of the human characters fires a gunshot at these two apes who he just happened across because he thinks they're going to attack him and carver is so resistant to trusting the apes as is dreyfus gary oldman's character they refuse to trust the apes even though of course caesar is trying to find a way to collaborate to help them get their dam and power source back up and running and there are of course sympathetic human characters who we should mention quickly are played by jason clark carrie russell and cody smith mcphee yo has this... cody smith mcphee i'm there learning is. is someone i love <laughs> um who yeah he's of course in the news for power of the dog these days and they are this little trio with um carrie russell's character being the new girlfriend to malcolm who's jason clark's character uh and they are sympathetic to the apes they work together they see the good in them just like koba sees the bad in humans caesar sees the good in these humans and so there's this these really interesting dynamics between them but just like koba can't see humans as a trustworthy ally rather just as these enemies to be crushed because of what they did to him then you also have dreyfus and the rest of the humans who are immediately distrustful of the apes want to take weapons and go destroy them and kill them and get rid of them because of this flu that they unleashed even though, of course, as we learned in the original movie, it wasn't a flu from the apes. It was the experimentation that humans did that created this disease. So there are these compelling tensions and similarities between both societies. This is Both of these movies are very much humans suck kind of a movie. <laughs> humans are going to bring about their own destruction. Humans refuse to learn and it's it, it's it's fascinating uh but I'm, I'm surprised in how much love we are pouring out onto both of these movies i don't why know are you why surprised? <laughs> i don't I, I don't know it, it's unusual <laughs> christian sometimes it's fun to argue about a movie sometimes it's just fun to have a love fest and talk about all the great things about it where even if we maybe differ on some of the things that we liked or one of us likes things more strongly it's always good to have common ground so I let, let's go off of that, to not not to put a damper, but is there anything that wasn't working in the style that these two created, in the style that both of these are are pushing this plot forward? So, in terms of things that flat out did not work for me, I am not sure. I, I think with the original Planet of the Apes, if you go in having seen the rebooted movies like I had and not being familiar with the original, I think there's a chance you could be disappointed because it's not really an action movie. There are certainly action sequences and good ones at that, but it's more about, it's, it's more of a weird sci-fi story. And and I mentioned Rod Serling who created the twilight zone. He's, you know, so key in the story of this movie where obviously you have this, 
astronaut who lands on another planet that's ruled by apes and humans are subservient, but he, of course, discovers that it's been Earth the entire time. It's really a movie that's more about humans, humanity's fate and how we will treat one another. And there are these philosophical questions being asked from the very beginning of the movie, like you talked about with Taylor's speech. I was not expecting that at all. It comes before the opening credits. It's literally him giving the speech and then getting back in his, you know, sleep power sleep bed for for deep space travel and then it goes into the opening credits and it's a much slower i wouldn't quite say meditative but slower and more thoughtful movie in in addition to some of these action sequences and while dawn of the planet of the apes isn't exactly a breakneck action movie itself there are some insane action sequences it's much more it has much more in common with modern blockbusters than it does the original planet of the apes in terms of style and tone and so I wouldn't say it's a weakness of the movie, but I would say it's it's a quality that you might like more or less, depending on your expectations. Now, this movie made $33.4 million at the just domestic box office, I think, off of a budget of $5.8 million, which $5.8 million just to make all... That's... In, uh, times were different. I know inflation's a thing, but still, you could never pull that off now. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I love the most about the original is it's just its commitment to doing everything practically, where they could have cheaped out on the costumes, but they didn't, and they have aged well, and they still kind of look great, and they're iconic in their own way. And the sets, too, are obviously, you know, they're creating stuff out in in back lots and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like in studio land, but the sets also age really well. This great use of natural uh, or shooting on location, in addition to some of these sets created for the movie, uh, that kind of commitment to practical craft is, is awesome. And for uh, one of the reasons I love the newer movies is I think they do a good job of blending that love of practical effects with these insanely cutting edge at the time visual effects. And a lot of modern blockbusters don't. They're more reliant on CGI and visual effects, and that's why I love the new ones so much. But the original, you can see that there is this legacy of committing to high-level special effects, even if they were special and not computer-generated or visual or anything like that. So what do you, what do you think about the, the locations used in, in the new one? Because in both of these... Uh, they're sparse, and it's interesting because the original Planet of the Apes books, I think, depicted depicted a much more sophisticated ape society, which in 1968 they rewrote for well to cut down on expenses. Right, and we're not dealing with a very advanced ape society in Dawn because they've only been a thing for like ten years, and so you just see these this this treehouse kind of living that they've got going on. Yeah, I, like like I was saying, the original sets and scenery, it's a great example of Hollywood working with what it has, you know, they're cutting down on the budget and because there's, number one, a lot of money going into making the costumes work as it was and getting the right actors, but of course it would have been way too expensive to depict this futuristic ape-based society, and it's a strength of the movie in that they have this, uh, I think, if any, like, it doesn't always hold up to uh to deeper thought like how is this ape society like so developed in certain ways but underdeveloped in others (laughs) you know like they don't have any idea of the conception of the power of flight but they also have this high functioning religious and scientific society i don't know but in the new version of course you have these these like beautiful forest 
set this beautiful forest setting in addition to the urban setting because they are living up in a, a state park in north of San Francisco. <laughs> and so I, I I love the difference, obviously, from a desert setting and then to a forest setting. And I think they're each beautiful in their own way. Uh, well, I'm kind of nearing the end of the things that I was going to say. Is there anything that you want to touch on before I ask uh, one more question? Yeah, just in terms of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and, and Rise and War with it, I think these movies and the reason that I enjoy them so much and, and really love Dawn is the ridiculous commitment to these these visual effects. And I spent some time watching special features <laughs> from Weta Digital, who you may know, listeners, from working with Peter Jackson on the Lord of the Rings movies, and they are a, a well-known commodity these days. And their effects for these movies are incredible, whether it was take, making these motion capture performances, allow actors to give these incredible and believable performances as apes, and it's people giving a bulk of the performance, uh, to in, incorporating stunt people as well and letting these action scenes play out with a, a much better believability than just all of these CGI-created apes, but also giving it this human quality that allows them to, again actually perform and not just have this character who they're doing voiceover for and watching these you know these behind the scenes things are are so cool and if you have the time look them up on youtube like there's some of this available it's so amazing and i think these movies are going to age well because of it because it's not just bland and empty cgi and uh, you know it's not all bulletproof i'm sure there are moments that don't look as good as they could and in 25 30 years we'll look back and think boohoo but that's why i love them so much And, and andy circus certainly gets a lot of credit for it. And there's some other, you know, ape actors who deserve some praise too. But what did you make of all that? I know you mentioned you kind of preferred the original costuming to some of the visual effects. So I'm, I'm curious to some of your deeper thoughts there. I, I guess it's just that whenever I see visual effects, a color, the color seems off to me. And that's not an issue with this, but because we are depicting apes who can interact with humans and are basically near-ish to their height and are walking around i and and it's surrounded by such lush green scenery it, it's almost like the color of the ape doesn't match the same color tones that are elsewhere well, uh, now a different movie that that is i, I don't know like a completely different movie godzilla versus kong you have giant monsters and but i'm okay with the visual effects there because it it feels otherworldly, which it, where the apes here aren't supposed to feel too otherworldly. That's that's my only thing, but it's not. I mean, it's not a major detractor of the movie for me. It it is funny seeing how much work went into trying to make these apes as photorealistic as possible, and obviously they look incredible. And it's <laughs> like uh, even and despite some of the complaints, but you definitely still can tell. There are times when things when it's nearing the uncanny valley, <laughs> and you especially with how much exterior shooting there was and, and putting all, putting these um, mocap actors in real world settings. Obviously there, there were incredible challenges with the visual effects there. And most of it does look really good, but I think sometimes you can sort of get like, you can start to drift out of the world once you, once you realize everything computer generated going on in front of your face. I, I have one last thing. And this is, this is kind of an unfair question because I know that you've seen the entire new trilogy, but which one of these made the most effective use of its story from a, I want to see where this goes and not the best film, 
you can have a film with absolutely no story. You can have a film with no plot. But more so, which one created an atmosphere where you're just dying to see what happens next to this group of people? Well, that's a hard question for me to answer, partially because the original Planet of the Apes is, you know, it's it's the first story. It's the first film. And I, I know, obviously, their sequels came after it, but it feels very much like a movie with a beginning and a movie with an ending. And I, I, to the best of my knowledge, Heston doesn't appear in any of the sequels. It's more he does. about he does. He does. I believe he appears in the second one for sure. He might also appear in the third. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I know. Even so, I know some of the um, later films would go on to cover more of the you know the ape society. Um, yeah, you're right. And, and beneath it features Heston in a supporting role. So. Uh, you know, even so, it's it's the first in a series, whereas Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you're already invested. It's the second movie in a franchise, and I think it takes uh, everything from the first movie and ratchets it up a notch. It's working at a better level, and it goes on to wrap up in War of the Planet of the Apes. And so it's just hard to, I don't know, it's hard to answer that question because they're coming along at different spots in the, the narrative, where one is kicking things off, but also feels like it could have existed on its own, and another one is already a continuation and it's it's definitely the middle chapter of a trilogy where <laughs> we're not ending on a cliffhanger per se, but ending on a very clear, this is what's coming next. There are humans coming to this ape colony. They're going to try to destroy them. What's going to happen next? So, you know, I, I'm not sure because I, I was invested and I'm looking forward to watching War. But also, I, I would like to watch the original sequels. So, for what it's worth, and to answer the question, maybe I'll just say the new ones. But I... It's, I don't know, I, I, I think because the original could have existed on its own, and, the, and we got sequels anyway that I'm curious to check out, but the new ones have more of a propulsive narrative that I'm looking forward to seeing wrap up once again. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, I'd go with the original, just because I feel like there's more, and it, it's, it, it purposely leaves you on a cliffhanger. It leaves you with the realization that we're on Earth. So the question arises, what caused this apocalypse? Or where can we go from here? Or what will the faith of Taylor be? Whereas in the second one, and all three Planet of the Apes movies of the reboot do this, they kind of conclude their story at the end. At the end of Dawn, you didn't necessarily need war. I'm not saying I'm not happy with war. I really enjoy war. War is probably my favorite of the three. But it, it they have an end more than anything to what they're doing Christian this is just funny to me because there's not really a cliffhanger at the end of the first movie and a definite cliffhanger at the end of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes there's a cliffhanger in the sense well there's there's like a what's going to happen next where well sure there's that in Dawn but the the primary conflict has been resolved I don't think the primary conflict has been resolved in the original I mean for like for the sake of argument in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes I'm referring to a cliffhanger because the humans who you know are defeated before they are call in essentially backup they make contact with another human colony and they were told there is an army of humans coming for the apes who have migrated into the city of San Francisco and Caesar and Malcolm the one one of the good human characters he says like there's nothing you can do Malcolm the humans are coming for us the apes started this, and unfortunately, the humans will come to finish it. And then Malcolm leaves, and he turns to, and Caesar turns to the apes, future unknown. Whereas in the original Planet of the Apes, again, I feel that there was not a direct 
cliffhanger. We don't know only what's because... going to happen to Dr. Zero or Cornelius. Well, to be fair, Dr. Zeus does say, we're going to take you back and try you for heresy. <laughs> and but, no, Taylor you, then but, finds the Statue of Liberty, of no, course, in that famous moment. We don't know what their moment. ultimate... I'm not, I am not going to fight over this. <laughs> I refuse to. I have better This could be a funny argument to extend the length of this podcast. But... Which is why we are going to end it. Planet of the Apes <laughs> yeah. is... The original is available on HBO Max, along with all five, four of its sequels. Uh, I had to take... Dawn of the Planet of the Apes from the library. I also checked out War, so you can do so as well. Both of these are wildly popular movies, so you can also rent them, I'm assuming, from basically any platform. Yep, I rented Rise from Amazon and got Dawn from the library. So we are obviously big advocates of the library system here. Use it if you can. It's great for borrowing movies. So, Christian, uh, we already alluded to it on last week's episode, and I alluded to it at the top of this week's episode, but what is coming up next in our Apocalypse Movies Blend of the Month? 19, is it 1998? 1998's Independence Day, and then 2022's new movie, Moonfall. 96 for Independence Day. 1996's Independence Day, and 2022's Moonfall. So go check it out at the at the at your local movie theater. I'm assuming it's going to be playing everywhere if you feel comfortable doing so. And uh, Independence Day, I saw it on HBO Max, and I believe it's there as of today. We're confirming with our sources that yes, it is still available on HBO Max, and of course rentable anywhere. Independence Day is a movie that I had not seen until I watched it last summer. I needed something fun to watch on July 4th. And let me tell you, Christian, I'm looking forward to discussing it on the podcast. And I am not as excited about Moonfall. No offense to you or your curating abilities. So I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping to be surprised and have a good time at the movies. This will likely be my first time back in a theater since Spider-Man No Way Home. Now that the Omicron surge is starting to slow down and case numbers are going down, I'm pretty sure I'll be good going back to a movie theater. So let's just hope you don't lead me astray. And so... That is our show. Thank you, listeners, our beloved listeners, for following along with us. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on Planet of the Apes. And if you have not seen either of these movies, would strongly recommend that you check them out, both the originals and the newfangled reboots. And we're looking forward to our blend continuing next month. There are, of course, or next week, goodness gracious, there are a few things that you can do to support the show. Obviously, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review where you can. I noticed that Spotify recently introduced... um, ratings to podcasts which is i had not recognized that for a while so please dear listeners leave us a a five-star review we would appreciate it you can also send us your feedback to cinema drip podcast at gmail.com as you know we love to shout out our listener feedback there and whether you are suggesting future blends of the month or maybe just a movie you'd like to hear discussed and we can figure out the blend or if you just have some feedback and want to share your thoughts too would love to know that we do share our emails live on the podcast and we mentioned our our good friend of the show paul gonzalez had a magic may 2.0 idea for us paul we're gonna let you down easy not sure if that's gonna happen but either way we do love to know your thoughts of course you can also follow myself on the show on twitter and christian on instagram and christian and i are both on letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching christian any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home i am hungry Christian is hungry, folks, so we're going to let him go eat some dinner. And until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.